paid artists, unpaid interns. You're listening to Art Pros Podcast. I like uh, I lost I had two jobs in New York which I lost I was like lost them pretty quickly like early March or whatever so I had to like dip to Boston to my dad's place yeah and uh, and then then yeah then I decided to come here because like life is way cheaper and hmm. uh, I don't have to pay rent here you're gonna make some art out there yeah hell yeah man that's why I came what uh, what industry were you in? So I was working under the table for this artist um, as his assistant, which was uh, pretty fucked up and crazy. I mean, I love the guy, but, you know, he made me almost cry like a couple of times or more. Damn. All right. So you're, we're, we're recording now, right? Yeah, I, w- I, w- I won't say any names just because, like, I do, oh, you know, weird. in my heart, I have affection for this, for this guy. I don't think he would, like, you know listen because he's an old dude and he's like he's like plugged into like another generation of the art world and he's kind of an outsider himself he's like an ex-banker so you guys can imagine uh the type of like (laughs) male energy that he was carrying speaking of male energy gage do you want to uh uh explain to our listeners about uh, uh this new male energy that we have in the room right now what's going on today Hey, what's up, everyone? It's the Art Pros here with the Art Pros podcast, and we have a very special guest today. It is what I imagine to be a very talented young man, young person. I didn't actually ask the gender, but wait, <laughs> <laughs> no worries. I we have uh, we have Santi here, um, aka Ploxy the Arsonist. Yeah, and we are super excited to have him here. Like. Six months ago, we uh, <laughs> we put out a a call for for people who want critiques on their art, and I want to say Ploxy was the only one who actually took it seriously and sent us work, which I I loved by the way. But uh, everyone, Thank welcome, you. Santi. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, I feel uh, I feel like you know I've said a little bit already. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I grew up in uh, Boston, and I went to art school in New York. I went to Cooper Union. I graduated about two and a half years ago, and um, I, you know, I've been <laughs> bumming around ever since. <laughs> I got a buddy who went to Cooper, and he uh, he'll he'll describe it the exact same way that he's bumming around too. <laughs> Um, yeah it's i mean yeah i don't know i guess like when i moved i, w- I moved back to new york uh like over a year ago to because i thought you know things would be less bummy there and um you know I, like I, at least I, I i like felt closer to the art world there or something so you want to be an artist that's i like, mean that's like your passion <laughs> yeah i guess so it's not the only one like i do have a lot of interests and like i try to combine them in my art uh or like i'm always trying to and it's not always successful usually i think i'm like failing at that but um i it doesn't have to be art like art capital a but i I wouldn't mind like going into academia or something just being a professor or some shit like that well, welcome, welcome to the show, man. We're really excited oh, to have you. You know, you you sent us something. Um, Gage is correct, approximately six months ago. But as <laughs> yeah. you know, our policy, <laughs> our policy currently is that we're, we've been researching for fifteen minutes per episode. So it kind of took us a long time to finish uh, reading your thing. Right, right. Um, <laughs> but, gentlemen, 
this work was uh, 43 pages long. And it's, it's, really, <laughs> oh my God. it's really compelling. Um, but, you know, 15 minutes at a time. I don't read very quickly already like, mm -mm. on top, so... Uh, in in my in my defense, a lot of those pages are just pictures. <laughs> they're good pictures, though. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> they are. They're very cool. So this um this project you sent us, uh, just so I could describe it to the listeners, it is a PDF. We got sent a PDF. It is a document. Uh, I get I'm getting the vibe that it's some type of manifesto. We'll get into that a little later. Sure. Uh, the title of it is called Clandestine Unit for imaginary research. And this is just all off top, you know, I don't know whether or not this is a manifesto. When I read it, that's what it felt like. Um, and the cover uh, states preliminary assemblages with a really cool kind of diagram type of thing. You got some typeface in the front, well-designed from from uh, a design perspective. I, I kind of <laughs> like it. It reminds me of some, like a, like a, uh, let's see. Uh, I guess a car, like how to how to fix a car book. <laughs> yeah, it's a, I mean, <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, so yeah, for sure. yeah. I read it through it. <laughs> I read through it. I looked at all the pictures very closely, all forty three pages. Uh, since <laughs> since I opened it six months ago, probably took about five five minutes per page at least. Um, and yes, it's dense. It's densely packed. What did you What did you think about it, Gage? Well, I will say that if if I'm gonna take off the the irony hat, I will say it is interesting to see someone kind of. I mean, it seems like documentation of working through, uh, like a worldview, that is a little bit more complex than than I was expecting it to be. I was hoping we were gonna get like ten pictures of paintings because I can just roast that all day, but it is. <laughs> There's a lot of like really good information, and um, it's something that you need to sit with. It, it, it's, I mean, the it's like weird to see something at the intersection of trying to be talking about spirituality, but like also how a system functions. And aesthetically, it's really similar and kind of interesting how it breaks down a bunch of different. You see images of like what I can only describe as like data science, and then like next to mm -hmm. a picture of an angel and like seeing all of those different forms of symbolism get the same kind of care uh, is really interesting. And as much as I hate to say things like that, like this, it, it's really hard to dissect. Like it's kind of, um, it's not obtuse because there's so much information that's like pretty honest and almost uh, schematic, but it, it is hard it's not legible uh, in in a good way. I yeah, gotta, <laughs> I gotta say I, I'm I'm pleased to hear that. <laughs> the language the language is uh, definitely on the. Uh, there's richness to it. There's a complexity to it. Some might even call it um, inaccessible, but I don't think it's inaccessible. I. I, I it's only like that on the surface, which is what made me curious about it. And um, to the listeners out there, again, what we're doing right now, this is our little pr preliminary crit just to set the stage for Santi because what he gave us, you got to understand, this thing is this thing is something you can sit with, like Gage said. This this thing is something you could look back at again. And I'm I got fifty million questions that I want to ask Santi, but um, for the sake of uh, brevity. Um, I'll just start with one man. What, where did, where did this idea come from? What inspired you to, to, to create this 43 page document with an amalgamation of images, symbols, letters, numbers, interests? It's a lot. It is. It is. Um, so it, it has like two separate beginnings. Um, at one point I was, uh, I was dropping a lot of acid <laughs> and <laughs> um, that just kind of like opened my eye or like my, you know, my being to sort of new sets of ways of interpreting reality and history. Um, and coincidentally, I was on uh, exchange uh, in France, Paris at the Beaux-Arts School there. And um, had this this teacher. She was like a drawing teacher, but like the the class was like really more about 
like archive and documents and like we'd go to like the national archive and just like copy drawings from this like in, like these giant encyclopedias and so like for the final uh project for that semester we you know we had to like do something with all the stuff we'd collected over uh the course of the semester in those encyclopedias and all these like almanacs and shit um and that sort of culminated in in this like little in this like small metafiction kind of document um that was about this hungarian uh philosopher uh turn or like philosopher and like sort of renaissance man doctor guy anyways and it's about like his his theories on like substance um and which i during an acid trip me and my friend were like my roommate at the time we were like as uh, it's like it's like environ <laughs> so that that sort of that small project kind of like was with me after i left and went back to new york and I just I didn't really go back to it, but it was sort of there. Not so much like the actual stuff that was written, but kind of like the way in which I went about doing it. Like, you know, just like creating documents and like from the perspective of this guy or whatever. Uh, and then my senior year, I took this independent art history class with one of my favorite teachers um, or professors. And uh, it was so I kind of got to choose what I wanted to, you know, uh, research, researching like perspective. Cause I, I, I had this like hunch that um, like perspective would like, you know, lead me to some interesting places about the transition from like pre-modern times to like modern times and like rational ways of, of thinking and of like how um, sort of like the world before, you know, rationalism with a big R was like this like magical place and you know at the time i was like reading a lot of theory um which that's pretty much mo mostly what i read and um for better or for worse like <laughs> so, but, so you're talking about you're talking about a philosophical transition a philosophical evolution like i guess what i'm talking about like the what happens when you know a given human society like transitions into like a modern way of conceiving of the world. Um, that was like my main interest at the time, but it also, it also was like the big question for me is like uh, the transition that we're going through uh, right now, which like for, I think, I think we're like, I mean, obviously like people have been talking about postmodern like times for a really long time and that's nothing new, but like, this sort of sense that like there is a return of the unknown of like the not necessarily magic or like divine powers, but that there is that we're sort of more open to interpreting the world in like less deterministic, rational ways nowadays. And so I was wondering also if that was the case, if like art an art practice could exploit that and create objects that were meaningful in that reality and that could and that can act in, in that reality so that's that's kind of how it started and and i had to submit something to like a grad school application and had all this like stuff and i didn't know what to do and so finally i i ended up making that because like I, I didn't want to write like an essay or anything like that because <laughs> that sounded boring and i wanted to you know i like you know there's so much stuff to that can be done and so yeah that's 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 the project that came out of all that it's i mean it's really exciting to me there's something about um are you familiar with like the fluxus movement which is yeah. a movement at all yeah so it like <laughs> yeah. i mean it it draw like i would i would argue and someone smarter than me told me this, I would argue that we're always going to be in fluxism. And that's like the only movement that exists now. And for those of you who don't know what it is, it's kind of like this ephemeral movement that doesn't call art anything. Like it's just every like sort of practice. And it's about the process of making and less about right actually making stuff. A little history art lesson for you. <laughs> it, it came around around the same time as like proto-punk ideas uh you know probably a response to weird 
fascism or something. Everything's a response to fascism somehow. But this is this is about to be our most big brain episode yet. I know it's. I've been really trying to avoid it, but this the art is <laughs> bringing me back to like big brain art hour. Um, <laughs> what, what I love about about what you sent us is just that, like you can never it. It's like so honest, but also kind of makes fun of itself. I don't know how to explain that, but it's like really funny. But there's nothing funny about it, and just having all the different points of view or many different points of view that are all together in one uh essay is really exciting also you have like this image that's like a top-down view of what looks like suburbia and uh, yeah like two pages or like eight pages before that you have i don't know what language it is it looks like a sumerian uh what, what's the word for it Renz? when when you used to used to press Hmm? What's it called? There's oh, I know what you're talking about. It's the Rosetta Stone, and it's like in, yeah. it's in cuneiform or whatever. Yes, cuneiform. You have yeah. a cuneiform tablet, and like seeing yeah. the, the relationship between cuneiform and like a top-down view of suburbia is uh, pretty wild to me. Uh, needless to say, this is really exciting uh, object. <laughs> so this is a project that you put together is is there some sort of uh physical version of this like what was your um what was what's the function what is the function of this pdf right. i'm glad i'm glad you asked me that because at the end of the day i think that's probably the most important aspect of it art art wise not necessarily like idea wise um so as the i i i personally don't want the object ever to exist outside of the digital realm even though i think it like it would be cool <laughs> to have like the magazine or whatever like the the paper but but i like i like the idea that it's something that's just like passed around digitally like there's uh like kind of like a like a cyber anarchist aspect to that like it's like some kind of like um you know cyber knowledge <laughs> yeah you know it is not, it's very I, it, cryptic yeah and like i usually share it when i do with people online like or, or i mean i guess not usually but i have or i want to or like that's how it should be it should be anonymous you know it should be something that's circulating completely uh, do you have a website do you have a website that it's up on yeah i do but when i share the link you can't access the website the website's just hosting the file damn that's hella cryptic so <laughs> that i i have a qr code also that if you scan it it like jumps to it okay. which is so like i do i like an idea i have for it is like pasting the qr code like in places um but right now i'm in Colombia, so i feel like that would be just like a like just jerking off to you know to the project because like no one's <laughs> <laughs> you really did go to Cooper, huh? You got the QR code. <laughs> it's it's, it's got to exist in the digital realm. I, <laughs> and you know what's funny? Like at Cooper, I never did any, uh, any stuff like this at all. Were you um so so in your transition into uh man? I don't even know what to call this, like philosophy or in your transition to being to making things like this like where did you start and how did you end up here um so it's it kind of has to do with like my contentious relationship with painting which like if you ask any of my friends that like i've told them i'm renounced i'm renouncing painting like 50 million times and <laughs> it's a lot of i'm time. like yeah I'm, I'm fucking done with painting i hate this shit i'm gonna i'm just gonna do digital philosophy shit and uh, so I go, I go back and forth, um, but this is the first time that like I managed to actually produce a, like a, like this object, this PDF, um, like there's at least two years of work that went into at least honing out the ideas. And then I had like a couple weeks of crunch time where I like was forced to make formal decisions about how it was going to look. And if it wasn't for that sort of deadline, I probably wouldn't have anything. So I'm happy that that deadline occurred. Um, so yeah, but if, you know, right now I'm, I'm like doing more P 
painting than that stuff. Even though, like, I really want to, I want to do both, but I just can't at the same time. So you mentioned you're in Colombia right now. What do you think you're going to make out there? Are you going to continue this uh, foray into uh, digital philosophy and digital artifacts? I definitely, I definitely want to keep doing that. I kind of, I would have to, I guess, I would have to like adapt it to the context I'm in right now, because otherwise, I'll just be talking to myself. Um, so that would probably involve like reading and writing in Spanish, which I'm not, I'm not super down, even though it's like my mother tongue. It's just like, I never, I never so what, read and write in Spanish. What, what type of art do you see, um, the most of in the area that you live in? So I, I, I don't live too far from like, uh, like the main sort of like hip, like gallery circuit. Yeah, like not the not the cheesy shit that's like where like old people go to, but like if you know a bit about art, like you go there. But I have to like I'm always kind of disappointed to check out the art that's being made here. I mean, and I, and it's sad to say because like you know Latin America in general has like a super rich history of art making, obviously, and like there's some like dope artists that have uh, come from here, but. You know, I don't know the stuff I see right now. It's it's just like stuck in the '90s, like not even in the 2000s. It's just like what part of what part of Colombia? So I live in the capital in Bogota. Mm-hmm. Um, like not necessarily the mo- the most cosmopolitan. I guess I probably is, but um, but yeah, that's just my my general feeling. I feel like the younger there's like people my age are sort of more in tune with what's going on like in the u.s and like more up to date i guess so would you um, say that the most contemporary stuff you see is probably graffiti <laughs> uh, i wouldn't say that <laughs> there's a lot of graffiti though and bogota is known for its for its graffiti um and for cops killing graffiti artists <laughs> yeah that's terrible that's uh i didn't know that that's terrible Damn. Yeah. And it's just like, um, I think like a few years ago, like there was one of those like incidents. A couple weeks later, Justin Bieber <laughs> pulled up for a concert here and he got like a police escort to do a tag. <laughs> wow. On a wall. So, yeah. That's so Damn, that's Canada. crazy, bro. <laughs> yeah. Did they kill? They should have killed him. I should have murdered. Him. <laughs> no, that's cool, man. I, I in Minecraft, have... bro. In Minecraft, not just, in <laughs> yeah. In Minecraft. I don't know. I'm, 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 I don't have in Roblox. Yeah, in Roblox. That's the real shit. That's All right, man. Shit. So we asked this question of we've been trying to ask this question to most artists, but you'll be the second one that we've asked. If you had ten million dollars to do any sort of art object that you want, uh, what would you do? Yeah, it's a good question. And I have to say that I was sort of because like I did listen to the podcast um, today for a good while. So I was kind of expecting or at least talking about that question. Um, but I still I don't know. <laughs> I have like I would I, I definitely like I, I, I had this idea, but um, so earlier I was talking about this this character i invented um this philosopher guy and like some of the documents that he writes are about this place that's like where uh capitalism doesn't exist and like it's just like a big factory for art like everyone's just plugged into this factory like producing random ass objects so if i (laughs) if i had 10 million bucks i'd probably like set up the the art factory that would just churn out miscellaneous so basically yeah. <laughs> you're gonna be andy warhol <laughs> right yeah i mean hopefully not reproduction yeah, but yeah. there's no um there, you know there's no rules i i can't be saying to people what they can and can't produce that's pretty cool man um i love that idea i like the hungarian like the imaginary hungarian uh, <laughs> renaissance man makes basically utopia i mean like what could utopia yeah, possibly yeah, yeah. look like you know if, if it wasn't just right. a place where people just make art and like that's it that's all there is to do is make art and then do like, yeah 
basically animal shit, like fucking and eating and shit. <laughs> yeah, it sounds ideal to me. Like whenever oh, I argue communism, you're trying to start a whole that. like you're trying to start a whole state. For 10 well, million I, bucks, dude. What, 10 mil? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I think for 10 million bucks, all you can do is the factory. Or like yeah, a factory. The production site. Like a, <laughs> and, and the guns to defend the factory. <laughs> right. Those it. are necessary. Yeah, <laughs> completely. <laughs> Definitely. No, nah, um, just, just make it look a lot like a um, one of those Amazon fulfillment centers. Just a little different. Oh, my and God. And then nobody will ever care. Nobody will ever care. <laughs> That's true. I mean, we we essentially that is. I mean, we already kind of live in it, but it's just the the wrong version. Well, actually, the, I guess that that could get robbed too, though. <laughs> My bad. The difference. The difference is that in the in like the short story I wrote, the all the objects are collect collected in a in like this empty cathedral, and then you know they get randomly selected by another group of workers and are thrown into a furnace and that's like the energy source of the of the society oh wow <laughs> so you're, oh you're talking you're talking about your short stories with the hungarian uh yeah, yeah 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 gotcha <laughs> but also the 10 million dollar art piece that hopefully we can find a way to make to take that 10 million dollars and invest it into a more sustainable model because i want to pay these critics to burn art i fucking love that <laughs> that is that's yeah. great yeah it just produces co2 that's the problem i felt <laughs> guilty when i wrote that <laughs> nah it's fine man so the thing is is that like like the, the cool part about uh not caring about stuff is that you realize that someone smarter than you will solve that problem like right now there's a guy <laughs> <laughs> who is smarter than us who's like figuring out how to make co2 like inert and not matter at all and you know shout out to that guy shout out to engineers i think a lot of people give way too much clout to scientists when it's really engineers that we should be thanking for everything you know scientists are just like oh yeah uh so we've learned how to ask things really 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 sterilely and effectively and then engineers are like all right we'll take that answer to that question and uh make it function so shout out to my engineers shout out <laughs> yeah the guy who makes co2 inert he should hurry the fuck up uh, i know dude he, he <laughs> it's gonna be jeff bezos oh he, god like, jeff? i'm expecting something really dope to be fixed by jeff bezos <laughs> that's why not jeff? a bad pregnant why no, jeff like because dude if he doesn't do something like real game like if he doesn't make that game-changing shot like we are going to f him in the street. Like there's just no other. There's no two ways about it. Like he is going to be f in the street if he doesn't fix something dope. <laughs> That's extreme, dude. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're probably they're probably reasoning like they're probably like you know weighing the. They probably have a few algorithms telling them, okay, you have like five years left of this kind of. Like, dude, who's uh, gonna who's gonna run up on Jeff, bro? In Minecraft. <laughs> in Minecraft. In Roblox, you can't I mean, run up I, on. I mean, is it? You think it'd be that easy to run up on Jeff? No, I don't. But I do think that like everyone's becoming so incensed by the news that like you throw enough human human effort in death at something, eventually someone's gonna get to him. You know, like he can only have so many drones or so many guns or so many people. Like we just throw, you know, thirty million people. Like all trying to. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Bezos, like I think we get him, bro. I don't know, man. Here's the thing. First of all, he's rich and he's bald. And there's a few things I know about rich, bald, powerful people, man. Like Doctor Xavier, fucking the dude from Superman, Lex Luthor. I mean, the dude from Austin Powers. I'm oh, telling man. you, they're dangerous, <laughs> dude. I, yeah, those I'm, guys are I'm fucked up. This is there. There's some. You got to come up with a fat game plan to take down Jeff. You can't just hit him in the street. That's all I'm saying. It's not a hockey riot. <laughs> Good point. I do think he's gonna live long enough where eventually someone will figure that out. Because he's he's gonna outlive everyone. Yeah, Jeff. And it. Oh, definitely. he's probably like you know the adrenochrome. He has been the getting buff. <laughs> he's been yeah. getting buff, dude. I don't know if he's the, still the, buff. Yeah. Although, He's like, probably tired of all the threats. Who knows what these these guys think? I feel like they they just don't even care, or like they live in a in like a completely different reality. Yeah, I don't think they give a fuck if like everyone dies of COVID and 
and like the country goes into a civil war. <laughs> I don't even think they think about it. Like yeah, they, they might as well be ants like crawling around in your kitchen or something. <laughs> Little reset. Sorry, everybody. Uh, mic check. Craig just decided to uh, to uh, take a break or something and stop hacked. recording. We, I, I guess, something like that. Uh, <laughs> it's probably, you know what? Um, so we're here. We're back. We are chilling with Santi. Santi is an artist, and we're just we're just talking shit. We we uh he sent us some art to review, and his art is philosophical. It's deep, and we got off on some tangents, but we're back. So I I did want to ask you, Santi, um, like what what do you think is is the most dangerous thing about American politics today? Like, what do you think is the, the most dangerous aspect of it? Um, I think, I think it's definitely sort of like the general, like myopia, uh, that like refuses to, to see what the real problems are. Like everyone's obsessed with politics and Trump and Biden or like, you know, getting their hopes up with Bernie, including myself. I'm not like I'm not also shitting on myself for being like a naive sort of Bernie supporter. But um I think like the refusal to question the economic model is to like to its core um is really the fundamental problem. And the more people disavow that, I think the more people go into the sort of identitarian divide that we're you know witnessing where it's like like the liberal it pull like politically correct sjw all that um versus uh these neo-fascist like white revanchist uh reactionaries basically and i, I see them both as false consciousness essentially and and i think that the you know, the governing class is like very satisfied with that, with the culture war. And yeah, it doesn't bode well. I think that's, I think that's the main issue. So it's not fake news. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> fake news is, I mean, I think fake news is like, I don't see it as necessary thing. It's like, that's the reality of our, of our times. Like, there's a good essay. Um, I hate to bring like an essay up, but this this guy you guys probably know him, um, Boris Groys, the Russian like art art guy. Um, he talks about how like with the internet, like institutions of that are that before were tasked with like curating information, like the internet totally bypasses them. So like you don't have uh, like an institution telling you what real and what isn't and so at this point it's like we can see the ground to like breitbart and like all the fake news that feeds breitbart and and stuff or we can do our own breitbart like our own fake news and convince people because it's like not about the facts it's about like convincing you know a convincing narrative that's you know that's kind of where my project is born not that it has any pretensions of like illuminating um like the people or like providing class consciousness, but it is in that it, it sees itself as existing in that sort of landscape. So you created an art piece that describes this, um, this thing. How would you, how would you describe it? Um, describe like the, la like the sort of landscape that we live in. Yeah, it describes this digital um, divide. I don't want to say this really hard to describe. It's, you know, I it, would you want to share this document to everybody because it's it's an indescribable thing. I think I think um, I don't think that it's I don't think it's for everyone. And it and again, like I I do some sort of politics like outside of art. Like I don't think. Um, oh, sorry, you're you're clipping a bit. Can you repeat that last sentence? Oh, um, so it's like I think like there's an important distinction to be made between like doing like actual 
and whatever you know art can do but you guys you guys made an interesting point on what so it's where it's like where you guys talked about Fortnite and the um and sort of like the real world impact that Fortnite has like almost politically in terms of like i mean in terms of like political economy and shit like they you know they're it's like they, they sort of bring they shed this sort of question sheds light on 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 monopoly and stuff like that and it's like how culture can actually do that and i think um i think it can be done successfully i don't think that document though or that project is necessary is i don't think that's what it wants to do i think it's more like it definitely is more art than than anything else um it it's and you know it's it's also for people who have already have a certain you know view of the world i guess and who, are, who would be willing to engage with it in good faith yeah i mean i think it's it's definitely tough with um like w- one of the biggest issues with i guess one of the goals is class consciousness like one of the biggest issues with that definitely comes from the fact that it's such a nuance like to talk about the world and an economic structure and the social structure requires so much education but the people that need that class consciousness the most typically don't have equitable access to that education so like when i see id poll fucking like identity politics and people like talking about oppression and then like getting mm-hmm. on someone who doesn't use the right language or right. like like lefties who fucking post these eight paragraph posts about you know the importance (laughs) of workers owning the means of production and i'm like dude what type of fucking random ass contractor or like guy who just works at dunkin donuts is gonna read this and be like yeah you know what like i'm gonna stop voting fucking biden or i'm gonna stop voting like trump or i'm gonna work in my community like who's gonna fucking be like yes something needs to change when they read that shit they're just gonna think you're either insane or like <laughs> yeah or, that's yeah. i mean that's like the perennial like left-wing conundrum i guess for sure i mean the the thing is is that all the smart people on the right have the same problem like every person who makes a, a strong case for nationalism or makes a strong case for like like uh like conservative economics also has to make the case in like the most asinine fucking way possible and they just never get mass appeal but the thing is is that we just need like clearly our economic structure needs to change but we don't even have an education system set forth yet where people even have the language to start to talk about it like the real people that need to make decisions as to how they want our world to function like don't even have the language yet right no yeah definitely it's uh it's it's bleak i'm pretty positive about it though i mean what what do you think is the best thing um what do you think is the best thing in in american politics or like in in what do you think is the best part of american culture oh man the thing we should take with us into the future uh probably like the dead beam page intellectuals (laughs) wait what (laughs) the you know the dead meme page intellectuals Oh yeah, dude! Intellectuals <laughs> is fucking great. That was uh, the highlight of 2020. <laughs> Renz, are you familiar with intellectuals? Yes, yes, I certainly am. <laughs> it's not dead, is it? Isn't there other iterations of it, or is it completely done now? I think like the. I mean, there's like different branches of admins. I think. I think like for the it, it is dead. Like the little minion, much they actually have to do with the original one. Yeah, like literally making a sellectuals <laughs> yeah. page was one of the memes. Was like making like exactly. Yeah, um, I don't know. I'm I'm usually pretty sort of pessimistic about the U.S. and its uh, potential for creating meaningful culture. But there are you know there are gems out there uh, for sure. Um, it's just like. I feel like it's the problem is like I feel like all of the good stuff um, I think I was saying that like I think most of the good stuff is online for you know I don't know if that's good or bad but so I think like um yeah there's some interesting stuff going on online I mean Brad Trammell I, like he he makes me crack up and positive vision of what art can be outside of um 
the sort of art world and art market and all these like terrible institutions and terrible ways of dealing with each other as human beings. Um, but, you know, apart from like, you know, these sort of like art terrorists or like people, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Art terrorists. Is that, <laughs> is that, is that what you would call uh, the dissenting opinions of, of people who don't subscribe to the fine art world, man? Art yeah, I guess so. I call you know, them art I say, <laughs> art liberators. Yeah, the thing is that I don't have eyes against terror. I don't know if you have to edit that out. <laughs> no, I mean, the, the, like, what is terrorism? Is just like patriotism. I don't know. It it all means the same nothing, which is uh, like a fervent belief that is then acted upon. Like, it just depends. <laughs> Terrorism's not that bad. <laughs> yeah 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 no i mean i i think there's an important distinction that like uh that we at the art pros need to make that like actions of terror physical actions of terror are not the same as like meme pages online that right. seek to destabilize um like shitty institutions that maybe need to get knocked down a peg or two, maybe institutions that have like, you know, $3 billion endowments or whatever, but can't pay a living wage. Like those sorts of institutions maybe need a little bit of, of memes making fun of them, uh, but we're not going to go blow them up. We just want to change them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I think, um, you know, I think like, you know, in, in terms of like Brad's work, for example, like I think he sort of does successfully what the my project proposes theoretically, like the deep fake, like that Biden deep fake that he did. I mean, that's exactly like the kind of stuff that I think is can be, you know, can be actually destabilizing. I don't know, do something. Yeah, good example. Uh for the unpaid interns out there is is uh brad Tramel, who's a great artist um did like a series of fake prager prager U posts and prager <laughs> is just like a conservative think tank um they're really popular on the internet it's kind of a like neocon neoconservative sort of thought processes um but Brad Trammell did like a series of basically fake posts from PragerU that went into they use he used the same language as identity politics, but for like wealthy people or <laughs> it, it, it's really entertaining. I suggest you check out Brad Trammell. But I, I get what you mean in terms of the fake news, like doing mm -hmm. I guess like counter ops. Yeah, yeah. It's like just just like because like those you know those tools they're they're out there and it's like anyone you know anyone computer can do it and and it's it's like why shouldn't we we should we should be i mean that's otherwise you know it's it's just like the the crazy right wingers that are like doing their adrenochrome like qAnon fake news and like we could do it too you all right runs I'm good. My brain hurts. This is so big brain, bro. I I, I forgot how to think um, conceptually. I just like go to work every day, and and my brain is melted right now. I you hear I that buzz in the back? Home. That buzz <laughs> in the back was my brain melting. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was the uh, emergency off switch <laughs> that you heard. Um, I got a question. It's a curveball, though. All right. If you could write a clickbait title for this document, what would you write? Like, if it was on uh, YouTube that's a or good something. One. Yeah. Um, or, like a, or, or like a description in Instagram where, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I would have to think about it, honestly, but... Um, I don't know. I think like, I think in like invoking, cause part of the document has to do with like this sort of esoteric idea that, you know, what drives our system is, 
is this sort of like abstract entity that we as a as western like as we, as western organization has done has called it into existence by by liberating it from you know i don't know like signifying chains that that keep it constricted like um there's there's a like a couple of philosophers including so deleuze and and bataille they talk about how like uh primitive societies quote unquote primitive like we're actually well aware of the destructive um capacity that that they knew that capital like as a sort of process of accumulation of value could have on their societies and so they kept it at bay by destroying like booty and loot and war spoils and you know whatever um so that that i i like the idea that the fight against capitalism or capital as this abstract entity is actually goes beyond just economic structures and it's more it's more like esoteric or like metaphysical um in a sense so if i were to write a clickbait article probably something along you know those lines about like this like ancient ancient truth that we need to revive or something you won't believe these six ancient truths <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, you won't believe these angelic horses <laughs> okay <I> got- so <laughs> um we promised you five ancient truths but we're actually dropping six <laughs> Uh, bonus bonus for patrons yeah, i got bonus, another bonus for patrons i got a i got a i got i'm coming back with a change up i got a change up question for you now okay. back to back bro so right. before i throw this pitch i want to preface that um your document i couldn't stop thinking about the matrix yeah. so my question is um if if you could replace Keanu Reeves with an artist <laughs> in the Matrix movies. Who would you choose? Oh my God, that's <laughs> that's a good one. Um, <laughs> um, do you have an answer, Gage? I have an answer. Off <laughs> I definitely don't have an answer. <laughs> who would you guys? Is this a trick question? I mean, there's only one answer. Renz, 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 you know the you know the one true answer. What's the true answer? <laughs> no, you tell me. You go first, man. All right, all right. I got you. I got you. I mean, clearly the only the only artist who is magnanimous enough, uh, you know, wholesome one hundred fucking right. good good doggo Keanu Reeves enough <laughs> to replace him in the Matrix movies. Would have to be um fuck man. Uh Kusama, the one who does the dots, I don't know. Maybe uh oh uh doodle SpongeBob Doodle Bob guy. Wholesome one hundred hecking good pepper, bro. Nah, Rens, who are you thinking? I I'm actually curious now. It's, it's a harder question than than it sounds. Jeff Coons. Oh, oh my god, I was gonna say that. That's who Santi was working for. You can't say that. Former banker, <laughs> very masculine guy. Wait, what? Uh, is no, that no, true? no, no. It is not. It is. I was. Um. I was definitely not working for anyone near as high profile as that. I was working for someone super low key who just happened to have a lot of money to throw around uh, at at an art practice. So, who's yeah. your replacement? Who's your replacement actor? Um. Shit. I'm sorry I stole your answer, but No, 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 it's okay. Uh f- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of stumped. I'm like, you know, who's like who's going to be on the path of like, you know, liberating mankind from the machines or is it someone kind of with like the dopey like blank Keanu <laughs> demeanor? Or maybe those are like inseparable. Joe Rogan. Like- <laughs> Done. Easy clap. Good game. <laughs> God, Joe would not get anything done, man. He would just oh, be man. talking to Morpheus. He would be talking to Trinity. He'd be like, wow, that's amazing. You eat this shit? Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> Yo, this gruel, huh? 
wow, this steak? You can really <laughs> steak in the digital world? Wow, that's amazing. Can you believe yeah. that? And then when he gets pulled out of the Matrix, he's like pissed that he can't DMT in like the in the caves. It's <laughs> like where the fuck's the DMT at? Zion, Jamie, can you pull up what Zion is? All right. Well, I really, I really can't come up with with a good. Yeah, that is the that is the, like the toughest like. Yeah, change up, bro. Shit. Change up. That's a strikeout. It almost feels like uh like. Like if we were to live in some bullshit simulation, it almost feels like we're not allowed to replace uh, Keanu Reeves with anyone else. Like in my head right now, I can't physically do it. We got time. I know it's a hard question. I'm not, you know, not putting any pressure on it. So we promised you, Santi, a uh, a critique, and I will give you, I will give you an an honest question that is sort of like a question i wish people asked more in when i went mm. to art school which is if if you're gonna make work that is invested or interested in being active in the world around it like whether mm -hmm. that's you know in the social structure or in politics or or to change people's mind uh like why not just do community service or like um you know like like would it be more effective to work on a farm like a like a community farm or would it be more effective to like educate young people like why do the art practice right um so i think like that's kind of like the question that dogs art that claims to be socially engaged that i would say that um i would like to i i mean it's difficult to say but so the, the the project itself again i state like i don't think that it pretends to have that capacity um i think the sort of region where it lies is a sort of like contemplation of the of a possibility of how information networks uh can be hacked so to speak by by uh, uh, an art, an art practice, you know, not necessarily my own. So in general, I honestly think that art making should concern itself with art making, and politics should be politics. But I mean, these days it's difficult to make that distinction. I guess like there is like a huge cultural practice that is, you know, that is making politics also i um and as for you know community service like yeah i mean we should uh, more than community service we should be you know like in the streets or whatever like um, like i don't know i mean that there uh, there's no easy easy solutions to, to any of this but long story short i think you know art art is like a way of um sort of like digesting reality and that digestive process uh has a like in our own bodies like it shoots out stuff shit and those are art objects and you know it, how you know that's that's just it um it it is it that's what it is right like so I, I, maybe it can like affect it like affects socially like things i don't think that should ever be art's like number one goal or purpose like i always think that art's number one purpose should be to be to be art art is a language of of symbols yeah yeah and it's like a and, it, and it's a history of arranged or formatted yo can you hear me yeah um god damn it jeff leave us alone <laughs> fb it's it's the fbi age for real yeah he's hearing too much spicy it's much it's spicy the discourse they're, like, the oh, they're talking about the role of art in society we better <laughs> stop, stop well yeah. you know what man we're 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 reaching the end we're reaching the end we're up to almost our hour gauge well well hold on i i would like to i would like to to um to thank Santi and uh, 
thank thank the the feds trying to hack our shit for listening to today's episode <laughs> maybe um, they learned I, something <laughs> hopefully i really appreciate that that point of view i i do think that people take the concept of praxis so fucking serious like in in art yeah yeah praxis yeah. for those of you who aren't you know big big brained um those of you <laughs> who have like probably a couple years of experience under your belt or something praxis is like uh, essentially the intersection of what you do and what your what your beliefs are which is fine like that's really normal for people but a lot of artists care so much about praxis so it's refreshing to hear you talk about art as like art should be for art's sake oh and yeah definitely that's I've like i've always believed that um and Renz, of our, Renz and I have talked about this before. Like, art should be, like, the goal. Like, not not necessarily the tool. Like, art is a tool. But as soon as art becomes a tool for liberation, it's it's only propaganda. Yeah, it's definitely. And it, gets, it becomes really shitty, too. Yeah, it totally does. Um, I've been learning that recently. Like, I keep doing all these drawings that have a political spin to it. I'm like, damn, that's kind of lame. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> yeah it just because i mean it just becomes like trite and didactic um and not useful to politics or to art or to the community i mean i'm big on i don't believe in like um like i believe that the smaller the government the better and it's not useful to the community unit either for the for people who are more on that that line of thinking well the so, cool I what I think is a cool thing about art and, and as a tool, as a way to represent our culture is that it evolves. It evolves with what, mm. what it needs, what it needs to talk about. Right. So, you know, you mentioned earlier, maybe you need to be anti uh, or like uh, against the propaganda by doing propaganda as well on the Internet. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's, maybe that's what we need right now. Who knows? Who fucking cares? Just you mentioned it earlier again. Maybe you just should just be a factory and produce these messages. Because <laughs> art—that's what all art is. The earliest art ever found are messages in cave walls of nobody knows. It's pictures of animals. Nobody right. really knows whether or not these people were trying to say there's animals here, or if that dude just was just like, "Damn, I saw this dope ass animal. I'm gonna paint the picture of it." Right. I tend I tend to think that it was the latter. Just like I, I, I feel like the human kind has like a compulsive necessity to represent the world in which we inhabit, and that's kind of like that. That's sort of art's like fundamental place. I, I don't know. It's possible because um, there's probably some archaeologists and stuff out there that are like, "Oh, look at this! This person drew this horse," but they're. Uh, according to our archaeological studies, we, we have never seen this type of horse in this area. So maybe you're right. Maybe they just saw the horse elsewhere, came to that area, and was like, I'm drawing this horse. <laughs> I don't yeah, ever want to forget about that horse. I feel like a lot of um, historians neglect like sense of humor when they look at old art. So maybe they knew there was no horse there. And they were like, yo, I'm really going to get these fuckers. I'm going to make them think there's a horse here. <laughs> the, cave, the caveman was like, someone's going to find this two million years later. It's going to be so funny. The very That's pretty advanced. Troll. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the very first troll fucking got us, man. Still. <laughs> thousands of years later. All right. I, friends, I'm sorry. Uh, I know, I know we're, we're reaching the end of our hour. Santi, do you want to plug anything or just say, you know, you can just have like the next hour of the episode to just say whatever you want. Um, or you take like five <laughs> minutes and plug whatever you want. Um, I'll, I guess the only thing I'll plug is, uh, my podcast, which is Susie and the Tanky, um, which was a noble, and valiant effort on our part uh, at the beginning of the pandemic and then just kind of fell apart but we were definitely trying to keep recording that um otherwise i had just one question for you um and it's because you guys mentioned ghosts of tsushima uh <laughs> <laughs> and i haven't played it <laughs> i haven't played it but i was wondering if you guys are familiar with 
Uh, Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice. Yeah, I I played it. Have you finished it? Fuck no, man. That's just hard as hell. <laughs> I think that's like honestly like talking about video games and masterpiece, and it's so beautiful. And it Sekiro is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it's it's incredible. Like the the art. The- no, dude, I think next level. I, I think the art in Sekiro is better than the different. It's different than the art in Ghost of Tsushima, and I like mm-hmm. it more because it's fucking intense, man. There's some parts in there that are just like, whoa, what's going on? There was this part. Um, I'm going off a tangent because I'm getting all passionate about it. Where <laughs> where these 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 um, I guess they're temples or castles. They're all on fire, and you have to jump around and. And you just kind of stumble upon it too. This like hectic, everything's in flames, and everything's trying to kill you. It, it was intense, dude. Yeah. Anyway, I think that that's a yeah, it's just a work of art. Like all the creatures and shit. Anyways, uh, that's, I'm gonna plug say <laughs> to anyone who hasn't played it. <laughs> Sekiro Shadows yeah. Die Twice. It's a phenomenal experience. It truly is. You 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 will find yourself surprised by the environments that these artists have created. It's nothing like you'll ever expect in any other game because it, purely because purely because of how surprised you're going to be. Yeah, I've never I've never been so game. It's just so oh. hard. <laughs> it's so hard because everything's trying to kill you. Uh, I'll plug my meme my meme page quickly. It's a uh, it's um cu underscore uh media underscore funhouse dot exe. There's some there's some chuckles for everyone. For all hey, all right. For all are... for all ages. Wait, wait, wait. Are they bad faith memes or good faith memes? Should I should I believe that you really mean what you post? Um, there's there's a little bit of everything. Wow, that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would really love to have you back on, uh, not for a critique episode. This is our first ever art critique episode. Um, but if you would like to come back on and just shoot some shit about, uh, not not your own art, because I know how stressful that can be for some people. We would love. To <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm more than happy to. This one is. Renz, you wanna sign us off? Man? I'll sign us off. I got a um, a very very late recommendation for you gamers out there. If you have ever heard of the game Disco Elysium, I highly recommend it. It's very interesting. It is a role playing game where you play as a detective who has lost all of their memory after they awakened in a I guess the biggest bender they've ever had because this dude has the most insane hangover and he doesn't remember who he is anymore and that's the game um yeah so check that out everyone uh it's it's very very good it is a text based thing it's not action oriented really where you know you control somebody shooting people you gotta solve a mystery it's it's phenomenal. It's got some Dungeons and Dragons elements where you have to roll a dice to see if your decision is successful. It's very good. I highly recommend it. And now that that long-winded recommendation is over, I am thanking everybody. I would like to thank Santi for being on the podcast. So thank you very much. Oh yeah. For oh, yeah. Being. Thanks for having having it. Yeah, dude, it was a pleasure. I feel a lot smarter now and a lot more. Oh, uh, I feel a lot smarter and also a lot more confused, which is a good thing. It's like uh, philosopher food right there. But anyways, you you you've just listened to the Art Pros podcast. If you've made this this far, thank you so much. Um, and please catch us again on our next episode, or check out some of our older ones if you haven't already. And make sure to check out. Santi's podcast, Susie and the Tankies. It's available on SoundCloud, and I listen to yeah, two and a half hours of it today. I'm probably gonna listen to more tomorrow. So go ahead and smash that motherfucking like. Love you guys. <laughs> All right, peace.